Welcome back to another very, very special episode of the Experiential Travel Podcast. Today's guest is an absolute legend. I have been waiting to talk to this guy for a couple weeks now, and I've been following his journey. He, I think, is what every single short-term rental investor wants to create. He is the epitome of creating a short-term rental vacation spot that is, I mean, it's in the name. It's, it's an oasis. He has created a uh, hotel and vacation rental in Fredericksburg, Texas. It's 11 units. It's a mixture of tree houses and geodesic domes and uh, shipping containers. I mean, they are legendary. You have seen his properties all over Instagram, all over Facebook. He has also created a resort in Palm Springs. He is the pioneer in this space and i am so so excited to learn all about what he has done how he started and his future ventures welcome to the podcast ben wolf thank you lex appreciate it i really appreciate you asking me to be on um experiential travel and hospitality is what i'm all about so when i saw that you were doing a podcast on the topic, I'm happy to be involved, so thanks. Take a step back and experiential travel podcast. The reason why we started this podcast was because I really do think what we're offering is not just a place to stay. It's not just a place to rest your head. It's offering an experience around vacations. It's offering experience to de uh, to disconnect in order to reconnect. And that's our kind of our, our mission around what we're doing. And I think that you do that phenomenally. So I'm super excited to have you on this podcast. I, I really want to start off with how you started. What's your background in this? Do you have a background in this or was it just kind of uh, figured out as you go? Yeah, sure. So I think like a lot of people in this space, I started in Airbnb lease arbitrage, basically, right? So um, urban STRs, you know, we got leases on places and made a very significant margin renting out those units on Airbnb. Um, that I had a small portfolio of my own of those properties with a with a partner, and we actually they were being managed by a company I used to work for very early to the short term rental management space, a company called Senstay. Um, actually, the founder of that company, Jesse, I used to work for. He's now my partner in Stayawasi. So um, kind of funny how those things come full circle. But uh, yeah, we were building up our portfolio. Sensei was managing them. And then Jesse, the founder there, got MS. And they really started to experience some operational pains and headaches. And it led me to build up my own operation. So I, I created an offshore team in the Philippines to try to be more cost effective when it came to guest communications hired a you know, local ground manager, a local cleaning company, and, and was doing the pricing myself. So really built this kind of like hodgepodge um, operations management company for STR. And then come April 2018 or so, I had a couple friends that were asking to get into the Airbnb game. They wanted me to help find places for them, manage for them ultimately. And that's what propelled me to leave my software sales job and pursue short-term rentals and, and this management company full-time. So um, the management clients we brought on originally were able, enough to pay my salary. Uh, we probably had about eight or so properties when I left my job. And by the end of 2019, we had 200 under management. So grew you know, very quickly, picked up you know, a few bigger clients with, with a bunch of properties and, and were able to grow that, that pretty rapidly. Um, and then, you know, shoot to March of 2020, right? COVID hits, all of our bookings get kind of wiped out overnight. I actually was in the Philippines 
with my guest communications team over there on our first offsite when you know America closed the border to Europe and the Manila airport shut down. The whole thing was like a living nightmare. All the bookings evaporated overnight. Um, but you know, now I look at it as a bit of a blessing in disguise because it really pushed me to develop Onera. I was interested in experiential hospitality. I was interested in glamping, you know, landscape hotels, as I like to call them. Um, but we were making good money in urban STRs and with this management company. So like, it felt like a distraction. Um, my buddy Jesse, who I mentioned, had a compound out in Joshua Tree where he had like a converted bus, Airstream, this retired Cessna airplane, you know, that was basically just an art sculpture, super unique, super bespoke. And his numbers were off the charts. Um, so between seeing what he had done, COVID hitting and kind of decimating my urban STR business, um, you know, pushed me to, to, to build Onera. So started looking for land right around that time. And um, yeah, we found our, our plot of land in December, 2020. So do you have any type of background in construction or development or like, how did you learn that aspect of it? So that aspect was trial by fire. Um, did not know anything about construction going in, you know, fell into development by way of hospitality, right? And hospitality management. So I did have my finger on the pulse of what sells and what people wanted and came at it from a data perspective of like, what are we going to create? What's the experience? Where is it going to be, et cetera. But yeah, on the development side, I mean, I found this basically like treehouse masters level architect designer type. Um, and he was the design builder for Onera phase one and, and his firm was artistry. Um, they did a great job, you know, smaller shop bespoke and yeah, they, they helped design the whole thing with my collaboration and helped bring it to life. I actually managed the, uh, the infrastructure side of it, like the, the below the ground utilities and site work and all that. Um, not having any experience, which was a bit, a bit of an experience. Um, I was living in, you know, on and off in an Airstream trailer on the site, you know, trying to manage these guys. And um, I did have a owner's rep construction consultant who is actually now my GC today. And, and in hindsight, like would have been nice to just have him running the whole show from the beginning. But I learned a lot and, um, you know, it, it basically you know, uh, taught me to, to work with somebody who had experience and, you know, could build a, a, a bigger, more scalable operation, which is what we did for, for all of our landscape hotels since then. That's incredible. I like to break it out into nine different steps, right? First part is the education, learning how to start an experiential travel destination, vacation rental. And then the, the, really the first step the first actionable step is choosing your market. Talk to me about why Fredericksburg and, and what led you to Fredericksburg, Texas. Yep. Yeah. So I had just moved to Austin end of 2019, had lived in New York City for over a decade, loved it, but wanted to get out. Me and my wife had just gotten married. We're ready to start a family, um, wanted a little more space, a little more, you know, focus on the outdoors and, and warmer weather. So came to Austin. The economy was also booming, which, which made it attractive. And I wanted a location that I could easily drive to, help oversee. It was going to be easy to get you know, to and from home. Thankfully, there was a few locations around Austin that were pretty prime for this type of development, both from a ease of regulation standpoint to get something up quickly and just from like a pure numbers, ADR occupancy and, and revenue potential standpoint. So um, dove into air DNA data for the most part, um, sure. 
most of the people on this uh, in your audience is familiar with AirDNA. We, um, you know, I use AirDNA, but I also always try to fact check those numbers, looking at the actual listings themselves, and, and making sure it it looks like everything jives when when looking at the calendar. But when I dove into AirDNA, I identified I think it was three markets initially, and, and Fredericksburg and Wimberley were at the top of the list. And the, the main thing I was looking for were markets that had couples units, so like a cabin, one bedroom studio that were massively outperforming. So so basically maximizing revenue per square foot, if you will, of the unit. And then the cherry on top was if there was a unit doing or multiple doing $100,000, $120,000 a year um, in Texas Hill Country, right, which it's not like the Pacific, you know, California coastline or something like that. Um, so if there was units doing that level of revenue and they weren't actually that cool and unique, I thought that I could take it a step further and even beat those numbers and be to a top property in the market. So that's what led to Fredericksburg, what led to Wimberley. I just ended up finding the property in Fredericksburg first and then Wimberley, which we're building now, I found about six months to a year later. That's incredible. There were so many great nuggets in there. I call it the 60-30-10 rule, finding a location that is... 60 minutes from a big city, 30 minutes from a final destination, and 10 minutes from civilization. And that's what I think Fredericksburg uh, is, and, and Wimberley as well. And um, I really like the part of being able to look at the data. I think that's a huge thing when analyzing markets, not only looking at the AirDNA data, but then also looking at the previous reservations. So looking at the reviews of an Airbnb listing and then looking at future reservations and then contrasting that to the competition in the market. What led you to go down the type of structures that you did? Was it always like, hey, I want to do tree houses, geodesic domes and canvas structures or were you, were you a, a numbers guy and, and went down, okay, these are the top performing on Airbnb. I'm going to do it that way. Hey, so if you're watching this video, you're probably interested in starting your own off-grid short-term rental we have created a free masterclass on the nine steps on how we started our off-grade short-term rental. It's all right here. It's a PDF version or video course. Guess what? It's completely for free. So go ahead, click the link below to download your free nine-step off-grade short-term rental masterclass. It's the blueprint that we use to do ours. And again, it's completely for free. Go ahead, download it. Our whole mission is to empower entrepreneurs to create more unique experiences so their guests can create more lifelong memories with their loved ones. I can tell you that hanging out with this kid with a bonfire in one of our units is my favorite, favorite pastime. So go ahead, click the link below to how to learn how to start your own off-grid short-term rental. All right, back to the video. So there was definitely an element of testing, and that's why we have so many different unit types at O'Nara Fredericksburg Phase 1. Um, wanted to try soft-sided, hard-sided. Definitely wanted to try some tree houses, saw in the data how well that tree houses performed. And I mean, I, I like a tree house myself, so there was probably some, some personal uh, interest there also. But um, yeah, the, the soft-sided units, a lot of them actually were kits from a manufacturer in China, one in South Africa. Um, I wouldn't recommend necessarily buying from, from Chinese manufacturers and suppliers in the future. I, I've had some experiences with those that I can share later. Um, but, uh, yeah, they had multiple different kits. We picked the ones that we kind of thought were the coolest. There was one shaped like a cocoon that we used, uh, one that was a double peak tent on the roof, but the whole exterior was basically, you know, metal and glass. So very kind of modern looking, but still had the tent vibe, which was pretty cool. Geodesic dome, just cause we'd seen those have success. 
Um, and then on the, the treehouse and hard-sided unit side of things, had seen people have success with container homes, found a supplier for those, tried two of those, one one-bedroom, one two-bedroom. Um, and then finally, the, the custom bespoke treehouses uh, were designed in collaboration with me and, and Artistry was the architect designer on those. So Spyglass, they already had that one out of the box and we just found the right spot for it on the site. And Monarch was more of a collaboration that was very unique and designed specifically for Onera. That's incredible. So part of the uh, process of choosing your structures is making sure that it's zoned correctly and that you can permit these structures. Uh, can we talk a little bit about the type of land that you bought and whether how, how it is zoned and then what permitting process you had to go through to permit these structures? Yeah, sure. Happy to. So one of the beauties of our location in general is that it's a mile from Main Street Fredericksburg, which is the main attraction in the area. I mean, you could walk, right? It's, it's a couple minute drive. You could walk if you wanted to. Um, it's in what's called the ETJ which I think stands for extraterritorial jurisdiction, um, which basically means that it borders the city limits. So um, because of that, we still pay city of Fredericksburg hotel tax instead of county tax, um, but we're not actually subject to any of the building requirements except for signage of the city, which is a kind of random small one that, that is still included. Um, we still kept in touch with city of Fredericksburg. Um, we did, we did liaise with them for fire safety. Um, so we did talk to the, the city fire marshal and, and he kind of helped give us parameters of what we needed to do from a fire standpoint. Um, and then the broader county, which is Gillespie County, is where we got our uh, water well, commercial well permits, and OSSF, which is on-site sewer facility. Um, so we, got th we needed those two permits and then, like I said, fire safety, but that was pretty much it. So um, very simple. Um, in Texas counties, I think all but three counties in Texas don't have zoning if you're outside the city. So there's no like saying you can or can't put a hotel or, or STR in a given location, which is great for getting something up and running very quickly, which is one of the reasons why we chose it. And, and it, you know, we built Onera Fredericksburg in about 10 months. Um, so from, from buying the land to opening our doors was about 11 and a half months, um, which is Kind of unheard of but largely because of the zoning ease and construction ease but there's also the other side of that is it's easy for anyone else to to spin up and build a project as well so there's a lot of supply coming into town which is part of why we went higher end and really tried to build a product that we felt would be sustainably differentiated for years to come love that now did you build all 11 sites at once before opening your doors or was it done in phases we, we opened, we had nine when we started. So there's eight, eight original units. And then we also had an Airstream was the ninth. We ended up swapping out the Airstream for another small container home unit and then adding two more container home units about a year after we opened. So that brought us from nine to 11. And we're actually undergoing an expansion that we're starting in December or January that's gonna add 23 keys and backed by the REIT that, that is our partner now, the public REIT. So yeah, that's gonna bring us to 34 keys total. Um, the new site, 20, 23 keys is gonna have, I think it's 14 different structures. So some of those are multi-unit, some are single unit, et cetera. That's incredible. So you, I, I, I got, <laughs> we're gonna go a little off script here. Why did you get rid of the Airstream? So 
in general, we found the kind of mid-tier offering um, at Onera, lower tier, but really mid-tier for, for most places, did not perform anywhere near as well as the higher tier product, which is part of why Onera Wimberley, all 28 units are going to be the higher end, higher ADR, and not only higher ADR, but higher occupancy. So it's like our ADR is 600 instead of 450, and we're at 90% occupancy instead of like 80 or 85, or even like 70 or 75 with some of the kind of lower tier units that we that we put on the site. So that just has pushed me in that direction. And I think it really relates to what I talk about a lot, which is building a product that's truly one of one, truly unique. Because if you're truly one of one, and a guest sees you on, let's say, Instagram, and they see your product, they have to have it, right? This idea of like, I have to have it, I'm not gonna price shop for something else, like I need this place, because there's nothing that compares to it, which allows us to what I call override the comp set. So even if there's 300 places available in Fredericksburg, which is a lot for a small town, someone might still be paying four times the price of a run-of-the-mill cabin to stay at Onera, because it's one of one. That's incredible. Alex Hermosi says that you need to sell because you don't know how to market and you need to market because you don't know how to build a product. And I think Onero's product is, is seriously, I mean, that's exactly what you said. It's one of one. It's again, quoting Alex Hermosi, it's, it's one of zero. I mean, there is no one in this space that is, has the level of product that Onero does. And I think that really stands out and it, and it proves it with the ADR and the occupancy rate. Now, Talk to me about Onera got up, it started running, it started being profitable. When from opening your Onera doors to the Palm Springs project uh, was that timeline? Yeah, so um, I'm a little bit of a sicko and I like to do things fast. My, my, uh, my, my partner, Jesse, you know, laughs at me, but I, I do think one of the biggest predictors of success of CEOs and startup founders is this sense of urgency. And I definitely have a sense of urgency. So we were renovating, we, we bought the Spirit of Sophia Hotel before we actually opened Onera Fredericksburg. It was, in, it was like in the same month and we immediately started renovating that property. Um, and that was open with, you know, fully renovated, ready to go by the following July. If I could do it again, I probably would have shut it down the hotel entirely and renovated it and re reopened it because I think we quadrupled our revenue from what we were doing pre-reno, which is unbelievable. Um, but we were trying to still make a few bucks while we were renovating and it just extended that process. So um, again, if I could do it again, shut it down, knock out the reno in 90, maybe 120 days at most and just start getting those massive revenues earlier on. That's incredible. Now. Uh, switching back to Onera, I want to kind of finish the nine-step process. Your utilities on Onera, you said that you're connected to well and that you have power, so you're fully on grid? We are fully on grid, and we're doing more at Onera Wimberley to, to be a little bit more self-sustaining and, and a little bit more you know, environmentally friendly beyond just, hey, we're providing these amazing units that are relatively minimal impact in terms of just land disturbance, right? There's a benefit of that. Um, we're trying to go the, the extra mile in, in Wimberley. So one of our unit types is, is called the greenhouse. It's a new unit type we have there. And it's essentially a take on a container home, but not a container. And it's, it's roughly a, a cube, but the, the backside of it is all floor to ceiling glass, sliding glass door out to this generous porch 
that faces this just one of the nicest views you'll find in the Texas Hill Country, west facing. And the roof deck or the rooftop of these units is actually going to be a green roof. So it'll have native grasses, wildflowers, plants all growing on the top so that it blends into the hillside and is also better from like a you know, watershed standpoint because um, it actually absorbs some of the rainwater that comes in. And we also are applying a gray water system to those units so that shower water, sink water, things like that can be used for irrigation of the green roof and other landscaping around the unit. But we're going very native in terms of our plantings to minimize water needs because if I haven't sort of led onto it, water is the biggest issue in the Texas Hill Country. Like right now we're in a stage five drought. So um, that's the biggest one that's kind of my mind on my mind in terms of environmental impact. And in addition to that, we also have a 20 acre site we're only building on five acres of it. The other 15 is basically conservation. Our, our property in Arizona is the same way. We have to haul all of our water. It's like a million dollars to build a well out here. So we haul all of our water, haul over a thousand gallons of water every single uh, week to our properties. And so I completely understand and, and resonate with the idea that you have to uh, conserve as much as uh, humanly possible. Plus being able to, the idea of just, all of that water going into a septic unit is like terrifying to me. So we repurpose our gray water as well into flower beds and, and other things that we can at least make it a, a look a little bit nicer by repurposing that water. So I, I completely agree and, and understand how important it is to, uh, to repurpose that water. Now, your dream team, I, I call them a dream team because it's the, it's the lifeblood behind the organization, right? It's the cleaners, it's the handyman, it's the on-site managers, it's the people that are client facing. It's, it's really the lifeblood behind the organization. Talk to me about who the, your dream team is for Onera and if, and a little bit about whether they live on site or if they're just, they come in and, and do their daily activities. Sure. Love to. So, um, talking about people and, and people organization, hiring, et cetera, is, is one of my favorite topics. Um, it's something that I feel like I've only really grown to grasp how important it is and how much of a force multiplier it is in the past one to two years. Basically coming to realize that there's only so much I can do, but if I can hire great people and then have them ultimately hire great people and develop them and, and provide a really strong culture and values um, and, and sort of guiding light of vision and mission, then we can do amazing things together. So one thing and I, there's a whole bunch of different areas I could talk about team. I could talk about my development team. I could talk about, you know, the Stayawasi marketing and management team. And I could talk about, you know, the ground ops people that, that you asked about initially. Um, and I'll, I'll try to touch on, on all of them. But one high level thing to note, I am less stressed today and have more time to think creatively and think about vision and, and kind of how to grow my personal brand, grow my businesses than I even could ever dream about when I was first opening Onera. And that's because I have such a better team and such better support systems today. So I, I just, I don't want to undersell that. And today I'm building 50 plus keys, $35 million in development, you know, ongoing at the same time versus, you know, a few million in development and, and 11 keys that, you know, was, uh, in, in, in hindsight, a much smaller project, right? So it's, it's all about team and the people I put around me. So in terms of ground ops, we try to run very staff light. So we have one on-site ground person for the 11 units. When we expand to 34, we're gonna have two full-time on-site people, uh, one 
that's the one we have now who's a little more maintenance focused and then one that's more like hospitality and cleaner manager type focus. Um, and we're actually building on-site units for them to live because I'm sure as you know, it's not always easy to get good people in these rural locations. So we think that's like an, a, a way to attract them and keep them. Um, so we're doing that and then right now we use a third-party cleaning service that is really great. They're not cheap. Um, you might be familiar with this as well. In rural locations, cleaners can charge quite a bit if they do a good job because it's hard to find good cleaning companies. Um, we do want to start layering in some full-time cleaners and we're working on hiring them now, but it is a challenge. Um, so right now we're using a good third party. Um, and then aside from that, it's really Stayawasi is the marketing and management engine for the rest. Now the Stayawasi team handles guest communications. So that is a team, an offshore team in the Philippines. I try to hire the best virtual assistants, you know, VAs that I can in the Philippines. Um, we pay them more than I think most do. I pay them more than I did at my old, you know, uh, urban STR management company because I want the best of the best. And I believe that an A player produces three to four times what a B player does and only costs at most maybe double. And sometimes it's less than double. So, you know, less people, better people there is, is what we've gone to. Um, outside of guest communication experience, um, my partner who I mentioned, I, you know, he's, he's the, by far the biggest owner besides me, gave up a lot of equity to get him and, and pay him a, a handsome salary, um, you know, relative to myself because he's such a force multiplier and I can give him full verticals and I know that he's gonna 100, 1000 X his value, like whatever I'm paying him. So he uh, runs revenue management, which includes pricing strategy. Um, he also oversees our social media marketing department, which we now have brought entirely in-house. I've tried agencies. Originally, I was kind of doing it myself. Um, and I've just found that like the returns are so high in social media that we've built out an entire team for that. So we have shooters, full-time editor, um, you know, social media manager who does all the posting, a couple of VAs really dedicated to that. And then my partner, Jesse, is kind of overseeing the whole thing, um, along with uh, another lead for that group who's also a shooter, this guy Josh we brought on. So, you know, half of our team now is dedicated to this social media and kind of digital marketing more broadly. Um, and what else did I, what did I leave out? Oh, I'm, so my, my GM, essentially my chief of staff, Tom, has kind of changed my life in that he's able to run point on, let's say, 80% of what I do and help oversee you know, all the verticals that directly flow up to me. He can kind of run interference and shield a lot of that stuff from me so I can focus on growth, right? So that's, that's a WASI. Um, and then on the development side, you know, for, for the Onera locations we're building and, and any future sites we build, um, I have, I think, the best GC in the Texas Hill Country He's unbelievable. I go to one meeting a week for a few hours and you know, there's always issues as there always is in construction, but there's also always solutions with him. And he's on time, in budget, which is almost impossible to find, especially in our asset class. <laughs> um, and I have a really great architect now too that's super collaborative. Um, you know, he works really well with me um, and with the GC, right? Making sure that stuff is feasible to build and, and cost effective and all the rest. Um, so he's creative and great on that front, but also collaborative, which is sometimes hard to find in an architect. So um, 
I know that was a long-winded way, but there's a lot of people doing a lot of stuff that, that helps this engine go. So I don't want to leave anybody out. No, I love that. I want to get into Steyawasi completely, but I want to finish with Onera first. The last two is booking channels and your automations. I know that Steyawasi does a lot of your management, but I want to first want to talk about booking channels. How are you getting your reservations? Are you on Airbnb VRBO? VR, VRBO? I know you have your own booking, direct booking channel. Uh, I, I kind of want to know all of the platforms that you're on and then numbers-wise, which ones perform the best and what you uh, really double down on. Yeah. So when we first opened, we were 100% Airbnb. Um, and we were doing pretty well with that out the gate. I mean, we all know that, yeah, Airbnb only charges you 3%, but they charge the guest like 12 plus. So effectively on that total price, they're taking 15% or more. Um, so I had an influencer reach out to me on Airbnb, an Instagram influencer who really wanted to showcase Onera Fredericksburg. And I was like kind of interested, but had a lot of other priorities, finally relented and said, okay, let's give it a try. We got a direct booking website up and running using the, uh, the property management software that we use on the hotel side, which is Cloudbeds. Um, we might actually be shifting to Hostaway, but, um, we got a direct booking site with Cloudbeds. And she came out, she did a giveaway post, didn't charge us anything. And we did like $10,000 in bookings. Um, had her come out again, like a month later, she did another post on a new account she was pushing, did like another 10,000 in bookings. I think it was more than that. So all told came out twice, did 25,000 in bookings and we didn't even get charged. Now we've since had her come back and, and now we pay her because we understand the value. Um, but that was kind of proof in the pudding for me and really led me to focus more on social media, more on direct bookings. Um, like I said, I was doing it myself in the beginning when I got too busy, tried to hire an agency. Um, and that you know, mixed results didn't go great and, and ultimately decided we had to build this capability out in-house because it was just so immensely valuable. We went from zero to 70% direct bookings in a year. And we're holding that pretty firm. You know, we're trying to push that to 80, even 90%. And that's the goal right now. Um, and so it's not only the savings on OTA fees of why I like direct bookings more. It's also that we're reaching what we call an aspirational guest, right? You're, you're reaching a guest that is inspired to stay at Onera, that has an emotional connection to Onera. So there's a point where the price just doesn't matter right? Like they're not on Airbnb price shopping um, and, and using that part of their brain that's like, oh, I want to get a deal. They're using the more like emotional response driven side of the brain that says, you know, I have to stay here. If like I, if there's any way I can afford it, I'm going to pay. So, so that's how we kind of want to go after it. And because of that, you know, we try to retain price parity. We're not offering any real substantial discounts on our direct booking website, um, maybe 1% just because it's hard to match them exactly. So we try to be slightly under, but, uh, but yeah, it's pretty much price parity. And we basically scoop that, you know, not all the 15%, we still have to pay payment processing, right? A few percent, but 12% or so goes straight to the bottom line for us with direct bookings. Um, and the rest, you know, 70% direct and the other 30% right now is Airbnb. We are considering going on booking.com um, you know, we wanted to wait to do that just because booking.com reviews and scoring can be so hypercritical. We just wanted to make sure that we were in really good shape to do that because 
you know, we have a four nine on Airbnb and we wanted to make sure we had a high rating on booking. So we're, we're working on that right now. You're 70 to 80% on direct bookings. That's incredible. There are not a lot of short-term rental vacation hosts or even companies that are doing those type of numbers. Working with that first influencer that first time, do you think that propelled Steowasi to uh, really focus on social media, advertising and marketing the properties rather than uh, kind of spending money on ads. Talk to me about basically the social media aspect of it and the focus on growth through social media. Yeah, so I mean, we just saw such incredible returns from social media, really on the influencer side originally, and then later on the content side. So on the influencer side, we would have influencer come out, you know, pay them very little or even nothing, and we'd generate tens, you know, $15,000 in bookings in that sort of neighborhood. And we had one paid influencer come out, finally. We had never paid one, and then we finally did pay. I think we paid like 3,500, and they generated roughly 35 to 40,000 in bookings in the preceding two weeks. Mm -hmm. We saw, you know, a spike of that amount compared to what we normally do, so we attribute most of that to them. Um, so the returns being, you know, 10x plus um, just really were eye-opening. And the ability to control the customer, you know, not just having to correspond with them through Airbnb or another platform is, is immensely valuable beyond the OTA savings and, you know, basically attracting a guest that's willing to pay more. Um, so, yeah, we wanted to go all in on social. So we were doing a lot with influencers. I was really just posting photos for the most part early on. And it became very clear that Reels is where all the engagement is. So we pivoted to how do we churn out many more reels and learn to create these videos that have a chance to go viral, right? So million plus view video, 200,000 plus view videos. Um, when we only, right now we have a following of 40, 46,000 for Onera and growing, but we've had videos hit two, three, 400,000 views, you know, 900, a million, 900,000, a million views. And that's due to sort of, again, testing a bunch of stuff, seeing what works with other accounts, trying to replicate some of that, getting a whole bunch of different types of footage. Um, you know, and it's, it can get very technical, right? It's like, it can be as simple as, or, or sorry, as, as complex and, and detailed as, you know, how long of each type of clip am I showing and how am I splicing them together and what audio am I attaching to that that's, you know, that, that's trending and gonna help kind of propel and boost that. So there's so many different factors that we're testing and kind of playing with to see what works and, and then, you know, working on continue, continuing to replicate that. So we're just all in on social because we've seen the impact when it comes to direct bookings. We believe in kind of owning the customer for life um, the aspirational buying of, of a, a direct booking guest through social and OTA savings. So there's just so many ways that we're making more or, or saving on costs. That's incredible. Are you spending uh, money on ads? Are you doing any type of ad spend for direct bookings? So the only thing we consider ad spend right now is the cost of influencers, which is mostly free. Maybe it's the cost of a cleaner. Um, some of them we pay. Again, it's it's a mi minority, I, th I think, still that we pay. Um, we are starting to consider doing some more with ads, you know, whether that's um, uh, search ads or, or meta ads or whatever. I mean, we're, we're starting to consider some of that, but we haven't actually done any of it to date. 
That's incredible. I mean, you are literally the definition of building a product so you don't have to market or sell. The product sells itself. And that emotional response that you get from guests saying, I need to stay there. I'm going to figure out the how to get the money to do that is, is such an incredible uh, thing that you have done with Fredericksburg, with Palm Springs, and now... Uh, What's the, Wimberley. what's the new one? That Wimberley is the one that's coming. Yeah. Wimberley. It's going to blow people away. It's incredible. It's like you think Fredericksburg was cool. I, Wait till you see our Wimberley property, right? I, I love it. Now, I want to kind of pivot into Stayawasi. Yeah. Stayawasi does all of your, uh, is all of the management. First, are you still managing for those urban properties or are you just managing for the properties that you own? So the Stayawasi team is very specialized and focused on experiential hospitality assets. So landscape hotels, glamping resorts, boutique hotels, you know, big retreat villa kind of buyouts, compound properties, stuff like that. Um, my legacy company was more, you know, mid-tier offering apartments, townhomes, single family homes, things like that. Um, that that business does still run. I'm still an owner of it. I'm just not operationally involved. Um, and that company and the group that manages it is Blink Hospitality. And, and that's a group that I started a number of years ago with my partner, John Cole. So then Stayawasi has clients and different properties that are not the three that you own yourself. They they generate their own revenue? Correct. And we are we're actively trying to grow that that business. We think we have a ton of value to offer for folks that have a unique product, property, or want to build one. So in addition to the, the management and marketing, we also will do design and development consulting. Um, and we'll do it for cash, but we even prefer to do it for cash that converts to equity or just like a, a flat equity percentage, like a promote. Um, and by bringing us and our team in, the dev team, like my GC architect, and then you get the whole Stayawasi team as well, and myself, um, we can really drastically improve the likelihood of a massive success, right? From somebody that it's their first time, doesn't really know what they're doing. Like I've made all the mistakes. I, I've, I've you know, made some good choices that, that we can repeat with somebody else. And, and we think we really understand the space as, as good or better than anyone out there. So um, we want to partner with other people that we think are winners in the space that we can help them design this amazing product and then ultimately you know, build it and manage it on the other end. So if you've designed this amazing, unique stay, then like you're doing it yourself a disservice to not you know, work with someone like us or, or somebody else that's gonna help you maximize it on the marketing side of things. Or maybe that's your forte and you do it yourself. But if you built something amazing, you want to invest in the marketing because otherwise it's like, you know, you're not showing the world this amazing thing you've built and not getting all the, not maximizing the value you could get from this amazing one of one property you've built. I love that. I love, love, love that. So you're running Stay Oasi. Are you still operational on Fredericksburg property? I know that you sold a, a majority stake of it. Talk to me a little bit about that sale and then your, uh, your continued, uh, work process with that property. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, one of the main points of that deal was that we would retain the management contract and we have a five year contract with options. Um, and you know, frankly, they wanted us to manage it because 
this REIT, you know, typically is, is using managers of flagged hotels and limited service hotels like a Courtyard Marriott or a Hilton Garden Inn or something like that. And um, it, it's a very different property type to manage. And so, you know, they, they want us to manage it as, as much as we want to keep running it. So um, we do have that in place. Um, so Stay Awasi is, is providing a lot of those services. Um, my old company I mentioned, Blink, is, is also involved in, in some of the management. But, you know, Stay Awasi is really focused on the marketing, revenue management. And I'm, yeah, still very involved in that. Um, my GM, Tom, is, is more involved in kind of the nitty gritty, but um, I'm still reporting to the REIT, our numbers, right? Trying to push growth and, and all of that. Um, and then, you know, I'm also focused on the expansion of Onera Fredericksburg um, and the, the Wimberley property that we're building, so the, the development side. And to tell you a little more about how that deal with the REIT worked, we actually were talking to them before we even opened took a year to get the deal done, which is pretty, you know, I, I don't think it's that atypical with a big public institutional investor like that. Um, and we actually just, so we sold initially October, 2022, and we just finished our earnout. So that's basically like our second tranche of payment based on performance in uh, the end of July of, of this year. So that was kind of a, a load off my back to be able to you know, we actually maxed out the earnout, so we had income thresholds we had to hit, and we we blew through those. So we maxed out the earnout, and all told, they valued Onera Fredericksburg at seven million, um, and we retained a ten percent ownership stake in it. Um, so they paid us six point three million. We retained the management and ten percent equity in the property. Um, and and just so I'm totally clear. My real estate fund is is the owner of that ten percent. So my real I raised a real estate fund that led you know that allowed me to put in the equity needed for Onera Fredericksburg and the equity needed for Onera Wimberley. That's incredible. Are you using that payout as your investment in Wimberley? So some of the money that we made on Fredericksburg, whether it was through just like cash flow in the first year or from the sale we did reinvest some of that into Wimberley, um, which is how we've turned a three and a half million dollar fund into, uh, what is it about, probably $35 million in, in real estate assets. How are you, how did you develop that fund? Talk to me a little bit about the origin of it and then how that kind of works. Yeah, so me and my partner in Blink that I mentioned, John Cole, we, we raised this real estate fund together for alternative hospitality. Originally, we thought we were going to do some lease arbitrage, you know, that sort of thing as well. Um, just came to find out that the, you know, more of the development and these landscape hotels and like renovating Spirit of Sophia, which is also part of the fund, um, there was a lot of, you know, other benefits for the fund in, in going that route instead of doing lease arbitrage and, and the margins for lease arbitrage started to get shrunk. So we really focused on development and, um, yeah, me and John raised friends and family, had a couple family offices come in, <laughs> a bunch of our friends and people we know that wrote checks anywhere from 75K to, you know, 300K. And then a couple family offices that came in for, you know, half a million or so each to get us to that three and a half million. Um, and yeah, we started small. We, we wanted to raise 10, um, but when we had raised three and a half, we already knew where we wanted to deploy it. And so we just closed the fund fund then and, and deployed it. And um, yeah, we've, we've picked some winners. So um, we, we haven't 
So we're still working on returning capital. The fund is still really young, um, but we're very well poised to blow through our return um, benchmark, which was 20% uh, IRR for the LPs. So we're, we're set to, to blow by that pretty well. Um, and yeah, maybe I'll be raising another fund in the, in the near future here. I love that. Now that uh, initial 3.5 that you raised, or 3.3? 3.5. That initial 3.5 that you raised was the money that built Fredericksburg? So that was, yeah, a portion of that. A portion of that money was the initial money that built Fredericksburg. Yeah, we had about you know a million or so in equity into Fredericksburg. The rest was debt. Nice. Yeah. Now, how was that process with trying to acquire debt on? I like I like how you call it a landscape. Hotel. What landscape hotel? That is such a great terminology for what you do. Uh, how did you try? How did you? How was that process with trying to convince a bank to understand the vision? Because this is such a new process. This is such a new space that we're in. So how how was that process with with convincing a bank that this was going to be profitable? Challenging, <laughs> in one one word, <laughs> in one word, challenging. Um, I talked to, I don't know, probably twenty local banks. Might have even been twenty five. I mean, the big banks aren't even going to talk to you, right? They're like, yeah, tree houses in rural te central Texas. Good luck. Um, so yeah, local banks that understand the market, believe in the market, um, and you know, got 18 no's, one maybe, and, and one guy who loved it, who was willing to go to bat for me and for, you know, for the project and, and really you know, support it with his loan committee and help push it through. Um, and that was Sonora Bank, you know, small uh, local community bank in the Texas Hill Country. Um, and yeah, they provided the initial debt on Fredericksburg. Um, you know, it's funny, I, I actually have more trouble getting debt today um, than I did when I when we first built in our Fredericksburg with basically no track record, just because like the debt financing markets are so challenging today with where the rates are and you know the the burden placed on borrowers in order to get approved and the collateral they want. I mean, it's it's just really tough right now, um, which I think is leading a lot of people more towards you know just doing stuff straight equity. Our returns are good enough that. You know, we can we can actually do that if we want to, or something like preferred equity or private debt, whether it's from a high net worth individual or you know a private debt fund or something like that. You got to get creative, is the answer today, because it is a challenge. Um, the only way that we were able to get financing for Onera Wimberley and the expansion to Fredericksburg was because of the public REIT. You know, they're a four billion dollar REIT. Um, they help provide a letter of credit, you know, that we, we have to pay for, you know, essentially that letter of credit, but, um, helped us get the Wimberley loan. They provided some of that, you know, junior debt, MES debt to, to fill out the capital stack on the Wimberley project. Um, and Fredericksburg, we're actually, we're just doing all equity because the, the, the REIT, you know, is able to do that. We only have to come in with 10% for our side. So we're able to do that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's a challenge. I think, there's a lot of creative strategies, though. You can go, you can go with debt brokers, like I said, private debt. Um, you want to look as, as buttoned up as possible when you go to those folks. So, you know, a pro forma uh, projections, right, with sensitivity analysis, looking, you know, reasonably conservative, um, you know, a, a detailed budget that shows that you understand construction, you know, renderings if possible, maybe even a rough site plan, you know, a one pager on the market and why it all makes sense. 
anything that you're tra on your track record you can speak to. I mean, you, you want this whole underwriting package that um, is going to, you know, put you in the best position to, uh, to succeed. So stay Awasi on our design and development side, like we help owners and new developers with that process, right? In terms of like the bank outreach and putting together that package and all the rest um, to kind of help shepherd them through that financing process, which can be so you know challenging and daunting. I know that personally coming from, I w I've never been W2. I was W2 for like 11 months in my entire life. Uh, but I've always been 1099. And so being a 1099, uh, getting loans just in general is so, is so difficult. So I understand from that financing part, we grew the same way you did. Uh, I started with two structures, did it myself with credit cards, and then we built it up to seven structures through investors. One other thing I will add is that, um, you know, that, that legacy operating business I had, that management company, of the 200 units under management, that drastically helped us in our first development project and that first loan we got for Onera Fredericksburg because we had a cash flowing business that could guarantor the loan. So I, I don't want to leave that leave that out. Um, I I couldn't have collateralized it on my own or guarantored it on my own. Um, so you know having that legacy business, even though maybe it wasn't the end goal or what did I, I wanted to do for the rest of my life, I was able to parlay that into you know, something that I really am passionate about and, and want to do more of. I call it experiential travel podcast because what we're offering, I touched on in the beginning is it's not just a place to stay. It's really offering an experience to guests that are coming to stay with, with us. Now it was, is there a story that kind of resonates with you uh, in the beginning or maybe more recently that kind of solidified that passion for you of like, this is, this is why I am doing what I am doing. This offer, this experience, this is, this is the reason. This is my why. Is there a story that kind of resonates with you? So, so there is. I mean, a lot of it comes down to me, you know, as egocentric as that may sound. I think a lot of people, you know, discover amazing products when trying to serve their own needs to some extent if there's a market beyond them to serve. So end of 2019. Um, it was right after my wedding. We were going on honeymoon. We took uh, actually Jesse, who I mentioned, RV from Joshua Tree and did this six-week road trip around the southwestern U.S. We hit like a dozen national parks, me and my wife, and just re-fell in love with the great outdoors. I had, you know, lived for over a decade in this concrete jungle of Manhattan, and um, it was just so nice to get out and experience these wide-open spaces and just the, the peace and serenity and sort of awesomeness of, and, and, and you know, grandioseness, right, of, um, of some of these, these landscapes, particularly the desert, you know, whether it was Moab or, or Joshua Tree or Death Valley, right, just the, the expansiveness of these deserts. But, you know, we went to Sequoia National Park and Yosemite. I mean, we, you know, so many different places, Grand Canyon. And it was amazing. And I experienced all, many of these moments, like what I call moments of perfection. And that's what kind of what we're trying to deliver to our guests. You know, that moment of, you know, you, at Onera, let's say you step out on your treehouse deck and, you know, maybe into your, your cedar soaking tub and, and you're sipping on your espresso, you know, in the morning just after you get up and you see the, the deers walk by and you have this just moment, right? Where it's like, this is amazing. Um, you know, Experiencing that on my trip and wanting to deliver that for guests was certainly some of the passion. Now, I will say with RV life, there's a lot of 
annoyances that come with RV life, right? There is um, just just so many different things from you know maintenance issues. I mean, you're essentially a car pulling a house constantly going through an earthquake, right? Is how I like to describe it. So there's going to be issues. Um, we had to call mobile mechanics. We had to drive for four hours to, to a dealership to get something fixed because the local shop couldn't fix it and just on and on and on. So thinking about how do I remove that friction, but still provide that moment of perfection that, you know, um, that experience that accentuates nature and allows me to reconnect with it, reconnect with myself, reconnect with my loved one. Um, and that's what led to Onera. Like I want to create a frictionless experience with all the amenities of home and then some, um, but still being able to experience the great outdoors and in this like amazing, unique, inspiring structure. Um, so it, it all kind of culminated in that. And then there was a market piece to it too, right? Like when you look at under canvas, auto camp, like some of these other bigger players in the space before Onera, they were at this more of this like mid market. There was still a little bit of an element of roughing it, right? Like, you know, under canvas doesn't have, uh, AC or heat, right? Um, and, and, uh, auto camp is like pretty small. And, you know, some of those sites kind of just look like trailer parks, right? Um, so we wanted to provide something that was elevated and we knew there was this untapped part of the market that was willing to pay more, but they just, there, there was nothing available to them. It was like, you know, auto camp or under canvas for 300 to maybe 500 bucks a night, which still pretty considerable just based on location and all the rest or like Amon at like two, $3,000 a night, maybe post ranch in somewhere in there, 1500, 2000 a night. But like there was nothing between this like 500 and $1,500 a night of amazing experience, showcasing the outdoors and yeah, giving you the chance to have some of these moments of perfection. I couldn't have said that better. That is so incredible. What's on the horizon for you? What, what's the next five years look like? So the next five years, we're going to open up Onera Wimberley with a bang, right? I think that's just going to blow, really blow people away. I mean, Onera Fredericksburg was, was a start. Um, but you know, if, if you check me out on Twitter at unique stays guy, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm posting the journey and a lot of like videos and photos along the way. And, and it just already looks so amazing. Um, Shelby church actually did an interview with me and, and she posted some, some sneak peeks at Wimberley as well. I just think it's going to blow people away. So really, knocking that out of the park, making sure that, you know, goes off an amazing success, finishing the Onera Fredericksburg expansion, which is set to open in early 25. So that'll be, you know, coming on the horizon as well. And building out this, this stay Awasi, you know, management company and, and building some really cool stuff along the way, whether it's, you know, with partners or, you know, with myself and people that come to me or that I, you know, I'm able to raise money from to build, some more amazing, you know, landscape hotels or experiential hospitality properties. Um, so yeah, Sayawasi management, we want to have thousands of doors under management, be the experiential outdoor hospitality marketing and management company that people think of. Um, and, you know, build this portfolio with other winners of, of amazing product that we can also manage. Where can people find you, Ben? They can find me on Twitter at Unique Stays Guy. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn, Ben Wolf, you know, connect, feel free to message me there or, or, or follow me on, on Twitter and, and shoot me a DM. Thanks so much for coming on, man. I can't, I can't, uh, begin to explain how awesome it is to pick your brain and to see not only where you started, but where your vision is going. 
it truly, truly is amazing. I wish nothing but prosperity and success for you, Stayawasi, Fredericksburg, and all the other properties that you're 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 a part of. Uh, thanks again for coming on, and would love to have you on again after Wimberley's up and and chat about the the amazing property you have built then. Yeah, I'm super excited for, for Wimberley, if, if you can't tell. So I'm happy to do that. Look, I, I love talking about this stuff, if you can't tell. Um, I definitely have a passion for it. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of the lucky few, I think, that I love what I do today. So I'm happy to share that with the world. And, and hopefully, you know, maybe someone will learn a thing or two from what I have to say. I can only hope. So thanks for having me on, Lex. I really appreciate it.